Amen. Hi, everyone. Um, before we get started, um, Johnny, your hoarse voice, does that mean that Man City won? Yes. That's a shame. I'm like a day... <laughs> I'm a casual Liverpool supporter, so that's, that's a shame. Well... <laughs> So my name is Lauren, and I'm an ordinant here, which means I'm training to be a vicar someday, soon. And I actually moved to Nottingham about 10 years ago to study, like many of you in the room, and um, fell in love with the city. But before I moved, I lived in a place called Hertfordshire, and that's just above London and underneath Cambridge. So when I was in sixth form, um, so I was about 16 or 17 years old, my school was putting on a production of Hairspray, the musical. And I was, and still am, no judgment, a big fan of musicals. And Hairspray was actually my favourite one at the time. But at the time, I was actually... Uh, see some nodding. At the time, I was actually um, quite shy and didn't like to put myself forward. But on when, one Wednesday afternoon, I suddenly had this, like, energy and thought, you know what, I'll put my name on the audition sheet. So it came to my time slot, and I walked into the music block, stood in front of three music teachers, and sang Good Morning Baltimore. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> they didn't look um, too appalled as I sang, so I guess that's good news, isn't it? Then, later that day, one of the teachers came up to me and asked, would you like to be a lead, or would you like to be in the chorus? Now, I felt really put on the spot. I didn't want to be seen to be someone that wanted to be on stage, even though I auditioned. I didn't want to be someone who um, wanted fame, even though fame really wasn't on offer. <laughs> but in that moment, I actually said... I'll be in the chorus. Little did I know that the chorus is actually on stage, like, all of the time. And I spent a whole term as, like, a 16-, 17-year-old rehearsing with uh, year eights, so 13-year-olds. <laughs> on that Wednesday afternoon, I chose the easy and safe option over the risky and the good. Now, we're in a series about what it means to learn the way of Jesus as we walk with him. What does it mean, what does it look like to become more like Jesus as we follow him? And Mark kicked us off last week as we're looking at the Gospel of Luke from um, the key part in the middle of the text where Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. So Mark spoke to us last week about learning the way of Jesus on the way with Jesus is actually a, a radical call to joy. Today, we're looking at prayer. Now, what does the way of Jesus have to do with prayer? What does prayer look like on the way with Jesus? I think it's worth saying that prayer is a really loaded word, and it comes with loads of expectations, with our disappointments, our experiences, our own the theologies and ideas. And whether we've been Christians for a long time, or we've grown up in Christian families, or maybe we've recently decided to give our life to Jesus, or we're exploring this whole faith thing, and it's all new, the word prayer is not neutral. 
But what I've come to know is that like my hairspray audition, prayer is an invitation into the risky and to the good. Now let's dive into the first part of our reading today. So it's about two sisters, Mary and Martha. So you read from Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Who are Mary and Martha? Well, Mary and Martha are sisters. They're friends of Jesus. And Martha opens up her home to Jesus and his followers. Now, this was a stop on Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. And through this interaction, um, we can learn something about what it means to walk with Jesus and to follow him. Now, while he was in Martha's home, while Jesus was in Martha's home, Mary, the sister, um, chose to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his teaching. Mary adopts the posture of a learner, the posture of a rabbi student, which a woman would never actually be found there. Through her posture, we can see that she is a disciple committed to learning the way of Christ. She chose to spend time with him, Martha, however, was caught up in doing all the work that needed to be done in hosting Jesus. Now, this is a painting called Mary and Martha by a Christian Chinese artist called Hu Che. In the painting on the left, Martha is standing up. Her neck is bent in an uncomfortable position and her hands are full. One hand is clutching a bowl of fruit and the other a jug. She's serving like she's supposed to serve. She's hosting like she's supposed to host. However, her sister Mary's hands are on her chest and positioned like she's holding her heart. Lord, Martha says, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Martha is holding her abilities, her skills and her to-do list before Jesus. Martha is doing all the right things and is frustrated at her sister who is seemingly doing nothing. But Mary is affirmed. Jesus affirms Mary. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Why? Because when Martha chooses to complete tasks for Jesus, Mary chooses to spend time with him. Martha adopts the posture of a homebound servant for Jesus, and Mary, that of a traveling student with Jesus. But it's so easily done, isn't it? When I was preparing for this sermon yesterday, um, I'd spent hours and hours, I mean two weeks ago, no, yesterday. <laughs> um, I spent hours and hours, and I really felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. So I decided to give myself a break <laughs> from doing nothing. And I watched the Women's Champions League final. 
And as I watched, I felt God say, Lauren, you're preaching about prayer, but you haven't actually asked me what I think. Now that is brutal. And it hit me. When we are forming a prayer life with God, instead of for him, it looks a lot more real and messy. It looks like dropping the textbooks and getting on the road with him. It looks like risking sounding ineloquent or poorly read or even offensive in our prayers. And when we look at the life of Jesus, over and over again in the Gospels, we are told that he prayed. The greatest man in all of history, the Son of God himself, prayed. We read in Luke 11 verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. One day Jesus was praying. It's a given and it's a necessary part of his journey. The way of Jesus is the way of prayer. Now before Jesus began his public ministry, he fasted and prayed for over a month in the wilderness. Before he chose his disciples, he prayed. After feeding the 5,000, he went away and prayed. When his cousin John the Baptist was killed, he prayed. Jesus prioritized his prayers. He consistently went to be with his father, to speak to his father. Even on the cross, the height of all pain and suffering and awfulness and rejection, Jesus prayed. So, this evening, we've prayed quite a lot, haven't we? We've opened our time together by praying for God to show up, for him to move by his spirit and to help us to worship him. We've prayed asking for God to move in our lives and reveal himself to us. We've asked him to heal us and to show us his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. We've prayed prayers of intercession as Mark led us. We've asked for God to intervene in the world around us and change it for the good. We've prayed as individuals, offering our personal prayers to God. We've prayed group prayers as a church community. And we've even prayed the prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. My question is this. At what point did you check out and think, this is all a bit too much prayer for me? At what point did you think, this has been going on a bit too long now? When are they getting to the good bit? When did you start thinking about your McDonald's drive-thru after the service? Now, this isn't a moment where you like, put your hand up and we shame you and say, you're bad. But this is an opportunity to notice in yourself where that tension point is, where you um, actually the point where you don't want to pray anymore. Apathy and disengagement can bind our hearts and our hands when we forget the why of prayer. So, why do we pray? We pray because it's through prayer that our lives are reoriented to Christ. It's through prayer that our normal is recalibrated to the kingdom. It's through prayer that our way is redirected to the way of Jesus. 
And prayer is central to the Christian life. It's not an add-on. It's not an optional extra. Luke 11, verse 1. One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. The disciples, they asked Jesus how to pray. They said, teach me, teach us. And Jesus, in his crazy kindness, doesn't scold them or say, guys, like, I've been doing this for a while. You've been with me for a while. Haven't you been watching what I've been doing? In response to their humble request to teach me to pray, he generously gives them the words to say. He invites them to pray his words. Jesus invites the disciples to pray with him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, writes, if he, Jesus, takes us with him in his prayer, if we are privileged to pray along with him, if he lets us accompany him on his way to God and teaches us to pray, then we are free from the agony of prayerlessness. But that is precisely what Jesus Christ wants to do. He wants to pray with us and have us pray with him so that we may be confident and glad that God hears us. When our will wholeheartedly enters into the prayer of Christ, then we pray correctly. Only in Jesus Christ are we able to pray. And with him, we also know that we shall be heard. Jesus invites us to pray with him. Jesus invites us into a relationship with the Father that should only be for him. He invites us to call his Father ours. Now that is a scandalous invitation. And it's one that can't go without a response. Now about a year ago, I found myself in a convent sat opposite a nun. This is not the beginning of a really bad joke, this is true. <laughs> and I had actually arranged to visit this convent um, to learn about prayer um, for an essay I had to write. <laughs> Add that bit in the end. Um, and I sat on a plastic garden chair um, in the dining room across from the sister. And I sort of like nervously fumbled over my question. I was like, oh, like, how do you pray? Like, what, what does your prayer life look like? Like, do you kneel? Like, what do you, what, what's your prayer vibes going on? <laughs> she took a moment and then she said, every day I sit down to pray and I have nothing to say. She went on. So I say that to God. I say, God, I have nothing to say, but I trust that you'll help me to pray. Now, this is a woman who um, has given her life over to literally praying. She's the quintessential professional prayer. I would say she's pretty high up on the ranking of holiness, right? The hierarchy of holiness. And even she sits down and thinks, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to pray. The sister, in one sentence, is able to capture a truth of prayer. But instead of explaining the wordlessness away or coming up with a theology to explain why prayer can feel harder at times, 
She is honest and wholehearted and has no pretense or performance in front of God. The sister chooses to respond to God's invitation to pray with a faith-filled yes. Even when she has nothing to give, she trusts that he will meet her. Because of God's grace, even when we lose sight of the invitation that Jesus has for us, there is space for us to sit at his feet and to learn from him. Even when it feels like an obligation, there is always invitation to join in with Jesus' prayer and to be reoriented to his way. These are like ridiculously generous terms. This is not normal. <laughs> On renewing, a writer says this. When we are invited to pray, we are asked to open our tent- tightly clenched fists and to give up our last coin. But who wants to do that? A first prayer, therefore, is often a painful prayer because you discover that you don't want to let go. You hold fast to the familiar, even if you aren't proud of it. You find yourself saying, that's just how it is with me. I would like it to be different, but it can't be now. That's just the way it is, and that's the way it will always be. Once you talk like that, you've already given up the belief that your life might be otherwise. You've already let the hope of a new life float by. You feel it is safer to cling to a sorry past than to trust in a new future. So, you fill your hands with small, clammy coins which you don't want to surrender. But, when you dare to let go and surrender one of those many fears, your hand relaxes and your palms spread out in a gesture of receiving. What is possible is to open your hands without fear so Jesus can blow your sins away. Then you feel a bit of freedom and praying becomes a joy, a spontaneous reaction to the world and to the people around you. Praying becomes effortless, inspired, lively, peaceful and quiet. Then you recognize the festive and modest moments of prayer you begin to suspect that to pray is to live. Where Martha gives her skills, we are to be like Mary and offer our hearts. We are to leave our home-based serving to to become traveling students, traveling along Jesus' way, committing to pray always. The way of Jesus is the way of prayer. Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to pray again? Will you take up the invitation to move from safe and easy to risky and good? To pray with faith again? Where have you exchanged being with Jesus for doing things for him. 
And where do you have nothing to say and need Christ's help to pray? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you're good as we sung today. And that even when things around us aren't good, you still are. I pray would you help us to put down our textbooks and get on the road. to trust you as our guide. In Jesus' name, amen.